0: I'm going to start with a word today, and it's a word that you guys uh, don't really like, and I don't really like this word either, and, uh, but it's a word that we, we kind of hate it, actually, but it's a word we need. The word is discipline. <laughs> I got a boo. I got a boo for that. Um, Liz and I recently did this, I guess it's a diet. It's called Whole30. Anybody ever done Whole30 Actually, we uh, you, you, it's 30 days. You commit to 30 days of taking certain things out of your diet. And what you take out are sugars, all added sugars. You take out all grains. Um, you take out all dairy and, and, and all joy, basically. Um <laughs> Oh, and legumes, if any big legume fans in here. uh, I was fine with taking out the legumes, but the other things are hard. We actually call it hole 29 uh, in in our household because we didn't quite plan it right. And Liz's birthday came up on day 29 and we're like, forget it, we're celebrating tonight and we're not worrying about it. So whole, whole 29, it's the kind of thing that takes discipline, right? And I'm not, that's not a flex, like, like, like me saying that we did that. It was hard, okay? It was really, really difficult. And um, you, you ever love and hate something at the same time? You know, like you love and hate something at the same time. It's like you, you, you hate it while you're doing it, but you love the results of it. Uh, one of the other things I've been doing with Liz lately is going to like cycle classes, like cycle, cycle bar. So in the spring, I tore my Achilles and I can't really run right now, but I can do cycle. And so uh, that's a love-hate kind of thing. Like I hate it when it's happening. I, I, I hate the class when it's happening, but I love it when it's done, right? I, I really didn't love Whole30 while we were doing it, but I really kind of liked the results of it. And I know that I needed, it's like the nature of discipline. I, back, back when I wasn't hurt and I could run, like there were times in my life where I would run a decent amount and plenty of times where I wouldn't, but it was always that way, right? It was always just painful to do, but you really like it when it is over. You never regret it, but on the front end, It's hard, here's what we we know. Like better things lie on the other side of discipline. Like this is something that's true that we are all aware of. Better things lie on the other, yeah, there it is, uh, on the the other side of discipline. That's true for all of us because what starts as discipline becomes a habit, right? And and then then what, what, what continues as a habit can become this life altering thing, or even, even sometimes it's life-preserving activity, whether it's, I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to cut less sugar out, I'm going to cut sugar out of my diet, or I'm going to come home earlier from work, or I'm going to call my mom more, all of those things uh, help us, all of those things. In fact, discipline, here's another thing that we all just know is true. Discipline facilitates Progress, Dis- d- discipline facilitates progress and even, and even prosperity and this happens <clears throat> to us personally, like, like this happens financially, this happens relationally, this happens in school with your, with your studies if you're a student, this happens in sports, you guys know, you gotta practice in order to get better and that takes discipline, this happens just, just physically, that discipline facilitates progress but it requires something else and we don't really like this either. I'm talking about a lot of things you just don't like today. Uh, Sorry. But it requires this. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. This is what delayed gratification is. It's just simple. Doing what we ought to do now so that we can do what we want to do later. Doing what we ought to do now so that we can do what we want to do later. There was a great football coach uh, named... Uh, Oh, was it Tom Landry or Bale? I think it was Tom Landry who said this. He said that I wanna get these players to do the things they don't wanna do so they can be the kind of person they wanna be. I want them to do the things they don't wanna do now so that they can be the player that they want to be. And that requires delayed gratification. We're gonna come back to that in just a few minutes. We've been on this series called Faithful, and today's week five. We're gonna have one more week of it next week, but this is the fifth and final faith catalyst that we've been talking about. We've, we've said this, we, and we've taken the word faith to to print uh, to, to kind of make this a, um, an acronym for you. And the, and the first F that we talked about, the first letter was F, and it's friends who care, like everybody needs in their life, friends who care. You need relationships that are encouraging you spiritually. Uh, week two, we said the A in this is, is about activating your spiritual gifts. Like you, you, if you're a Christ follower, you have a spiritual gift and you need to activate it, discover it and activate it. The I we said is important moments in your life. Like, like you all have important moments that happen. And this is the one that's different from the other four. In fact, these are the things that just happen to you. Okay. You don't control these, but they could be bad. They could be good. But these are the things that happen to you that draw you closer to God. And then T, we said last week, Ethan did a great job of saying teaching that connects. We got to build on the, the, the block of Jesus teaching in our lives. And you do that in a lot of different ways. And, and what we want to ask is this, like, like what does it look like for us to have incredible, audacious, resilient, gritty faith? Like, uh, what does it look like for you in your life? And so there's these five things that we think are really important for your life. And you could hold this up as a mirror to you and you could ask these questions. How am I doing in these five Categories And it should lead us to ask things like, what would I, what would I do? Or what would I try? Or what would I start in my life if I had this kind of faith? What would, I, what would I stop in my life if I had this kind of faith? What kind of risks would I take? What kind of bold things would I do? Well, the H, I'm not going to make you wait any longer to hear what the H is. The H is this, healthy spiritual practices. Healthy spiritual practices. Practices, And this, uh, this comes from, uh, what we're going to talk about today comes from the Bible in a, in a ton of different places, and it also comes from like literally hundreds of conversations that I've had over the years with people who are faithful, who are followers of Jesus, who are taking steps and growing in their faith. We're going to talk about what it means to have healthy spiritual disciplines, healthy spiritual practices in our lives and, and, and there's gonna be three of those we're gonna talk about specifically and, and, and one of them is, it's, it's like this and I'll, I'll just tell you what they are. One of them is prayer, one of them is um, percentage giving, one of them is corporate. Worship, But people, who, for instance, who say, well, my, my life has grown in the area of prayer, they've moved on from like the parking lot prayer, okay? Like, like I help, God help me find a place in the parking lot uh, or the, the test prayer. Like I haven't studied for the test, but God, would you please help me to get an A? We've all prayed those prayers. They've moved on to that, from that into something that's more consistent. They've moved on from that to something that's more consistent. Um, those who have discovered that um, giving is a part of their faith and life, they've moved from, giving that's need-based to giving systematically. And, and they've said this over and over again, people in my life have said my life changed when I began to do that. I know that uh, for, for us, like, like when, when I moved from reactionary giving, just giving to the need, to systematic giving, my, my life really began to change. Uh, the other element is worship, right? Like, like when I began to worship with other believers, my life began to change. And, and if you're gonna do these things, um, if, and the people that do them, that make these a part of their life and, and see life change happen, they do one thing. That They have one thing in common. They, um, they pre-decide, okay? They, they, they pre-decide decide. If you're going to like exercise, you you don't just really wake up and say, I'm going to exercise right now. Or maybe if you do, you do, but it's not super successful. If you're going to do it and make it consistent, you have to pre-decide, right? If if, if you are going to make church a regular part of your life, you have to actually pre-decide for that to happen. And what that does is it takes wavering out of the equation. You know, Jesus' invitation was to follow me. He said, I want you to follow me. I, I, want you to, I want you to follow me, and, and, and what that moves us from is this corporate kind of following, right? Like I'm just gonna take the steps and do the things into this personal kind of following. The more steps that we take, it goes from, 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 from corporate that, that's not really personal to, to intimate, because Jesus' invitation is always to more intimacy, it's always to more connection, and, and he wants to meet with you, but that starts with discipline. It starts as, a discipline. Now, here's, here's the danger of not doing this. Like, here's the danger of not stepping into this personal part of your relationship with God. You, uh, the, the danger is this, that you become a church person with no personal relationship with God. Um, you ever met a church person who's just kind of like uh, a jerk? You know? You raise your hand. You know, you met church people kind of like a jerk? Yeah. If you're not raising your hand, Maybe that's you. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we all know people who are like church people who are just kind of, I think it's because the first thing to go often in our faith is our personal, personal relationship with God. Like like the personal connection that we have with God. God. And it turns us into these sort of inward focused, crusty people who are difficult to be around. But the other side is this that when you step into these disciplines and begin to make them personal, that's how the kingdom of God begins to take influence in your life. Like that's how the kingdom of God begins to be released in your life. That's what, like the rule of God, when you begin to step into this personal relationship with Jesus, that's when the rule of God begins to take root in your life. And so we're gonna talk about these, these three things. The first one is this, and these are three things, these are three disciplines, these are three healthy spiritual practices that if you put them into practice, it will change your life. Like these things will change your life. And the first one is this, the first one is, um, personal devotions, personal devotions. I would just say this, I mean, start reading the gospels. If you want to start somewhere, start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or, or John. Um, Luke, my, my son, Luke, our youngest boy, uh, and I were playing golf a couple weeks ago and we got paired up, it was a busy day on this golf course we were on, we got paired up with this guy and immediately I knew he was a really, really good golfer. In fact, it turns out that he was like a mini tour pro. Okay, like he was, he plays on these golf mini tours. He was amazing, but um, he found out what I did pretty early on. And usually, if it, I'm a pastor, right? So, usually on the golf course, somebody asks me what I do, it goes one of two ways. I'm not gonna lie. Like that conversation on the beside somebody on the airplane or whatever, it just, it, you know, they either totally clam up and start apologizing for their language or whatever. <laughs> and it's so, I hate it. I mean, it's the worst. Or, it becomes a really cool conversation. This happened to be a really cool conversation. He started asking me questions, and I could tell early on that he wasn't a believer. In fact, he basically said that, but he was very curious. And then, we, so we kept talking, talking, and one of the things that he began to say was, he's like, I, I recently listened to this autobiography of Andre Agassi. Andre Agassi was a great tennis player in like the late 80s, early 90s. Very interesting guy, interesting story. He's like, I listened to it. And he's like, it was so cool. It's almost like I felt like I, when I listened to it, I was kind of taking his whole life. In fact, I sort of like took a piece of his, this is what this guy said. It's kind of weird. All right. He said, I took a piece of this guy's, uh, like Andre Agassi's soul. And I kind of, kind of took it, ingested it down into my life. And I'm like, that's really weird. But, um, but it's also kind of like, he, he also made a, um, a Highlander reference, which, uh, you know, there's only like five of you that will probably get that. But that's what happened in that movie, that TV show, that that's what they would do. They would, When they killed somebody, they would take their soul. And he he was talking about that. I was like, all right, all right, all right. But then it clicked with me and I just said, why don't you do that with the Bible? And he was like, oh. I was like, why don't you take the book of Luke? And I I said, Luke, because my son's Luke, he might actually remember that, right? Why don't you listen to the book of Luke and ingest Jesus into your life and see what happens? And he was like, oh, I might actually, you know, I might actually do that. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six about about this, about prayer. When you pray, he said, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And so it's interesting that he says when, not if. This is Jesus commanding, okay? He's saying, when you pray, and, and it's, he's also saying, hey, don't do it while you're doing something else. Now, you can, and I do. I mean, I pray where I'm driving, and sometimes I encourage you guys to do that, but what he's saying is, hey, when you pray, go into your room. Shut the door. Be quiet, be still, and focus on me. It's like this, it's this command, and he's saying, don't get distracted, Don't get distracted by life. You know, Jesus was was a pretty busy guy. And I I know you have big jobs and we all have important things to do. But um, do you know what his job was? Like his job was save the world and do it in three years. All right. So if anybody's on a schedule, Jesus is on a a schedule. and, and And it might just be a little more important than yours. But you know what he built into his schedule? Time with his heavenly father. He never neglected time with his heavenly father. In fact, it says in the book of Mark that he made time for for, uh, God early in the morning for his father. It says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then it says that um, Simon and his companions, they went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody is looking for you. And so... Jesus goes off to pray early in the morning. The guys are like looking, looking for him. And they're like, We found the Savior of the world and then we lost him again. So we got to go find him. And Jesus comes and he basically, they they find him praying. And he's like, I'm doing this so that I can do the things later that I need to do. I'm doing this because this is a part of the thing that the Heavenly Father is calling me to do, because this is a part of the mission of my life. Life And our invitation, your invitation is to step into that personal de- uh, discipline of personal devotion, like personal connection with him. And that helps your relationship with God become that much more personal and intimate. Personal devotion is one of the things, one of the healthy spiritual practices that I want to point out to you today. The second one is a second one is this. A second one, and, and this is going to be like a little, a little. Speaking of personal, it's going to be a little personal for you, okay? And so uh, it just is what it is. But the second spiritual practice I believe can be a tipping point in your life, and I know so many people who where this has been a tipping point in their faith when they begin to step into this area, and it's the the whole idea of percentage giving, percentage giving, not just to the need, but giving regularly, giving, giving uh, systematically. This is not, can I just say this? This is not primarily a money issue. This is a priorities issue. This is a faith issue. Here's what um, Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter six, moving on. He says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes and then it says look at the birds of the air he says they don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they can any one of you be by worrying add a single hour to your life can i get an amen right and what he's saying is uh for us it might be like don't worry so much about how you're going to pay for college. Don't worry so much about that job that you're, that you're struggling to get or that you need. Don't worry so much about how you're going to retire because our tendency is to ask the question first and foremost, what if there isn't enough left for me? Like, wasn't What if, what if there isn't enough for me? You know what Jesus says about those who worry about those things? He says the pagans worry about those things. The pagans, the people who don't believe in God, they're consumed with what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. He goes on to say it like this. He says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And then he says this, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then he underlines it with this. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Do that first. And all of these things will be given to you as well. You know that God knows what you need. God knows what you need. He knows that you need to make rent. He knows that you need to pay that bill. He knows the things that you need to take care of. Uh, But the issue is not really money when it comes to this kind of giving. The issue is, do you believe Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? And his invitation is to follow him, right? And his invitation involves our whole lives. Like he wants all of us in in faith. And so what he's saying is, um, hey, Put your money where your faith is. Put your money where your your faith is and this leads to like world-altering, world-changing faith when we began to do this. And let me give you this sentence, it's a a long sentence but I think it's important to to read. A percentage, um, upfront, pre-decided, Disciplined giving, here's what it does. It exercises our faith because it involves letting go of what we're most inclined to put our confidence in rather than God. That, that percentage giving involves letting go of the things we're most inclined to put our confidence in rather than God. The, the um, scriptures say this. He goes on to say, you know, you've got, you can serve two masters. There are one of two masters that you can serve. And, we typically, when we hear that, we think, oh, he's probably talking about like God and Satan, okay? <laughs> you know, like God and Satan. You can serve two, two masters. I mean, that makes sense. No, he says, you've got two masters you can serve. It's either God or it's money, and you can't do both. A lot of the times we say, well, I want to trust in my money until it all runs out, and then I might trust in God after that. He's inviting us to trust God first. Um, when Bailey... Uh, our now 23-year-old daughter was little, like, like three years old. We went to a store, and she was so sweet. I mean, even then, she's sweet now, but she was super sweet when she was a little kid. I remember going to the store, and uh, she saw some M&Ms, you know. They put them right at eye level, kid eye level. You know how they do. And so she uh, asked me for them, and it's dads and their little girls. I couldn't resist, so I bought her a pack of M&Ms. And so we're in the car. She's back in her car seat driving home. And I look back at those M&Ms. I'm like, hmm. I'd like an M&M, right? Uh, I like M&M's too. And so I reach my hand back and I'm like, Bailey, let me have an M&M, please. And she, with her little pudgy fist, you know, wraps it around that M&M bag and she holds it close to her chest. And she's like, no, (laughs) these are my M&M's. It had been like three minutes before that I bought those for her. This is what she didn't understand at that moment, right? She forgot that I bought them for her. She didn't know this. I could go back into that Target and get a grocery cart and fill that thing full of all the M&Ms in the store. I mean, all of them. I could go find them everywhere. They got them in the front, down every register. I'm sure they got some in the back. They make you walk all the way by there for everything. So I could go get them all, all the family-sized ones, the medium-sized ones, the small ones. I could get the plain ones. I could get the peanut ones, which are the best. Or all the, I could get all the weird ones, right, like that they make now. I could put them all in this cart, take my credit card up to the register and buy them all. We could go home. I could sit her on the floor, put all those in a big bucket and dump them over her head. Make them rain down on her if I wanted to. What she also didn't know was this. I could have leaned back and snatched those M&Ms out of her hand (laughs) because I'm stronger than her, right? Instead, she thought they were hers. God has given us a lot of M&Ms. Maybe you got a, a mini pack. Maybe you got a family size. I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere in between. doesn't matter. His invitation to you and to me, is to give one back. (laughs) Would you just make it a habit? Would you just make it worship for you to continue, for like regularly, systematically giving them back to me? Would you make it part of your trust in me and your recognition that, hey, God says, I've given you everything that you have. Pagans, he says, Jesus says this, pagans, like they give to need-based things and there's nothing wrong with that. This is like the American way, right? There's a need, we we fill it. The step to take, and I've seen this happen in so many people's lives where their lives have just changed is when they begin to say, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna give systematically, regularly. I'm gonna actually automate it and I'm gonna make it happen every single month because that's what my invitation into faith is like and that's when it becomes world-changing faith. The second thing. Is percentage giving. The third thing, I'll just speak to it really quickly, is this. Corporate worship. Corporate worship. Um, remember COVID? <laughs> a dumb question. Uh, COVID was hard when it came to church. And if you were around here, if you're maybe part of, if, if you're a you part of a different church at the time, or and we don't assume everybody's, a part of a church. I hope this is your first church experience. I'm so glad you're here. Like we're so glad you're here. But if you were a part of a church, then um, I, if you're like me, like we, we missed it so much. We, we just missed going when we were shut down. And it wasn't like, I mean, I had the key to the building. We used to meet over at the mill across the parking lot. I had the key to the building. I'd go walk around that place anytime I wanted to. I didn't miss the walls. I didn't miss the bricks. I didn't miss the, the, the cool wood, old wood floors over there. I didn't miss the building. I missed the people. Right, like we missed, there was something about the collective connection that we have in here, the collective worship that we have that is really, really important. Matthew 18, Jesus says this, he says, for where, and this is so mysterious, I don't completely understand this, I'm just going to tell you, for where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. The reason I say that is because if you know Jesus, he's with you right now, he's with you when you're alone. But there's something special about when we gather together in small groups or in large groups, that the Holy Spirit does something Special. He He unites us in a different way with Him, and He unites us in a different way with one another. There's something amazing about corporate worship that the Holy Spirit works in, and I and I understand that you might get frustrated coming to church sometimes. And I also understand this, like especially if you have if you're here today and you have like young kids, you like you deserve some applause for even getting here. I mean, like 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 you can clap. Yeah, I mean like clap for our young family. I mean for real. Like it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that, and we get that here. And so just come, right? It's okay. If you're, I mean, if you're just dragging in, we love it. We're so glad you're here. Um, and, and it's hard to do that. But, but we also understand for all of us, sometimes church can be kind of a frustrating place to be because you lose a little bit of your autonomy. You, you didn't, I don't think, get to pick the songs today that, that were played. You might not have gotten to park in the parking space you want to park in. Um, you might not get to sit in the seat you want in here. I might invite you to come sit closer. You should get sit closer, by the way, because so, the experience is so much better up here. You can sit where you want, but, uh, but like, you lose a little bit of your autonomy when you come to church, but what you gain is so much more important. What you gain is so much more important than that. Um, there's, there's a passage in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about this, and he basically says, now you, yeah, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So, so when you come here, you're a part of this body and uh, you're a significant part. Like we, we function better when you're here, that, that kind of thing. Don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself in this faith. Faith was not meant to be lived out in isolation. We need you here. And, and, and sometimes corporate worship for you is just gonna be a discipline. Like you're gonna, you're gonna have to come and just say, I'm gonna pre-decide to come and whether I get something out of it or not. I know that it's good for me. I know that it's good for, if you have a family, I know that it's good for my family. I know that it's good for the friend I'm gonna bring. So I'm gonna make that a priority. All right, um, here's how I wanna close. So, so I wanna give you a 30-day challenge. I know you love 30-day challenges, all right? 30-day challenge, and, and, it's, and, and like, it's not whole 30. We're, we're gonna do like Jesus 30, okay? Um, a 30-day challenge, and the challenge is this. Would you, for 30 days commit to personal devotions to to each day, starting out in the morning and just saying, just even for a few minutes, I'm gonna open up um, God's word and I'm gonna gonna start with one of the gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I'm just gonna read a little bit and I'm gonna pray. And and I'm gonna pre-decide, like I'm deciding today, to do that? I know it's not gonna be easy. I know there's gonna be some days I don't wanna do it, but I'm gonna to decide today, so I don't have to decide tomorrow to do it, to start. Would you do that for 30 days? And then would you, uh, would you commit to percentage giving? I'm not even telling you a percentage, just pick one. You know, you might be at zero, go to 1%. You might be at 2% right now, go to three. Would you con- like commit to doing that regularly, regardless of if a need comes along or not, just say on the front end, I'm gonna to commit to doing this for 30 days. And then would you commit to corporate worship? Like I'm gonna to commit to the discipline of corporate worship. Even on those Sundays, I don't feel like getting up. I'm going to come and do it anyway because I know that it's good for my faith and it's good for my life. I really believe if you do that, if we step into those things, you're going to begin to feel a deeper connection with Jesus. You're going to be to feel a deeper connection with the church. And it just happens that way. That discipline goes from corporate to intimate. It goes from impersonal to personal. We start out with a discipline and it feels like an ought to, ought to. And, and, and pretty soon it becomes a want to. It becomes a want to. And these are the things, these healthy spiritual practices, these are the things that will transform your relationship with God, wherever you're starting from today. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.